My name is Sarah, and I'm Anxious AF. Welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode, I'll be talking to actress Jen Ponton. You may have seen her in shows such as 30 Rock, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Law and Order SVU, and more recently, the now-canceled AMC show Dietland. Uh, we recorded this episode before Dietland aired earlier this year, so we really couldn't discuss the show in depth. But now that I've seen the show, I wish we could have. Uh, it's so amazing. I've never related to a show more before. Go stream it on AMC's website or buy it on Amazon Prime if you can. It's amazing, and I hope another network or streaming service, I'm looking at you, Netflix, uh, picks it up for a season two. So Jen and I met on the set of a movie called Love on the Run, which you can now stream for free on Amazon Prime. Uh, it stars Frances Fisher, who played Kate Winslet's mom in Titanic, and also Steve Howey, who's on the Showtime series Shameless. Uh, it was Jen's first lead role in a movie, and it was my first time being a production coordinator on a set. Uh, it was the first script I ever read that had a fat person doing more than just being fat. Uh, she got to have a sex scene, and she basically got to like be a real human character. But it's a, it's a great movie. Uh, we start the chat talking about being confident in your skin and finding light in the darkness, rejection, and what she wants people to take away from Diet Land. Jen was really great to talk to, so I hope you enjoy it. I guess, was there a journey going into that role? Like, I mean, guess in, in all of your previous acting experience and kind of growing up and in terms of, uh, like like show, bringing your body out there was there ever sort of uh, the anxiety and how did it get it seemed to me that you were so confident on that set and it had to come from somewhere totally. you know what I mean yeah I mean thank god I was that person by the time we did the film but before that I mean when we shot in like 2011 so I probably only really came to the place where I was okay with my body years previous to that maybe four at the most and so I was really like a very self-loathing very you know highly aware of my body and that it was completely societally inappropriate and not okay um, for my whole life and I was teased up and down as a kid and I was an outcast and a loner and a weirdo on top of all of that <laughs> I know I know so that was my childhood, and then when I was a teenager, I learned how to handle it a little bit better because I was able to make friends, so um, that sort of dulled the edge of the agony for a little <laughs> bit, but like I would starve myself, and I was really, really abusive to myself, and that, yeah, that continued all the way through college up until, I don't even remember how I got the tip off, I found this blog ring that at the time was called the Fatosphere. And since then, like all of the bloggers and essayists that were a part of it have like grown into really prominent writers. I started reading these archive blogs and there were tens and tens of them and there were years of archives. So I would come home from work and I'd dive in and it just, it helped to heal so much for me. And I was like, oh, I can be in this body and not hate it and actually kind of dig it. And this is what it's just naturally doing despite my every effort to, you know, negate it. Um, and so I feel like that was hugely important for me, moving into a career where my body is my currency, 
you know? Like, we, what else are you gonna do? You have to be okay enough with yourself or else you're, you're holding on to so much because you're gonna be playing characters who don't like themselves. Thankfully, I haven't had to do that a bunch yet. But and that's I what it is. That's what but. this industry, I feel like when you're a plus size person, you know, like <laughs> that we have to be haters of our yeah. bodies and you have to be an advocate at the same time, which I think is interesting. And I think you're somebody that is a, like a key component of that, where it's like, you're just, you know, you have to be that because who yeah. else is going to be an advocate for It's innately so political and so much of it is about how unseen larger bodies are and so when you bring that into entertainment the whole point of entertainment is to be seen as to reflect what they want to say is the cultural norm and when all we see are size twos up there that's 67 percent of the population is over a size 14 67 percent so they are so grossly underserved like we're legit the majority by a long run and i think that I, yeah, I think it's innately political. Like, you have to stand up for that advocacy because you, in and of yourself, being seen is a political statement. So I'm very grateful that I feel happy doing that, you know? And you have, you're building, you've built an audience, I think, in, in, a, in a way, with the, your, with everything that you've done, that, that people have seen your work and, and can follow you on social media and all those things. So, like, you're putting a face to the faceless that don't have that voice and 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 i i really just wanted to you know be like thanks ma'am oh you know because i think i think as i've gone and i'm sure you have too a lot of my anxiety in life is rooted in the fact that i was going through a lot of struggles with uh loving my body mm-hmm. um i think there's a a confidence now that there wasn't you know like you said like three or four years ago for yourself like about the same for me probably sooner you know like two years ago probably even just um going to therapy and just starting to be more comfortable in clothes that like I was just wearing big baggy things to hide myself and just you know and also like anxiety when it comes to dating and relationships like I I'm still there where I still feel like I'm going to only get fat fetishists or something where there's this like, you know, that nobody's going to love me for me. And I'm still, I'm still in that like self-hatred cycle in a way. Mm -hmm. And it's still there, but you know, um, have you ever had that sort of cycle in your life or was it just sort of like you kind of came out? I really lucked out. I lucked out so hard, Sarah, because I met Andrew when I was 20 years old. Mm. I was in college and I had only had two boyfriends and then I met Andrew, and um, while he, while I would never classify him as a fetishist, you know, he was vocal about appreciating my body, and that was a new thing to me. I I was with really fat phobic people who were very insulting and who totally fucked up my confidence. Um, what little there was at that particular time, right? There's already like the basis of self-loathing and then it's just reflected at you by these funhouse mirrors of young men, which is awesome. Um, so like I missed all of the carnival of Tinder and OkCupid and all of that stuff. Um, although I have heard, I've heard both sides of 
of fat appreciators, fat fetishists, uh, and and you know, is it an okay thing? And I read like, do you follow that this beautiful Twitter account? Um, the the handle is your fat friend. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen a few tweets from them. Oh my god, she's such a beautiful writer. She's amazing. Uh, like her prose is is it will strip down your soul and it's not even necessarily the topics that she covers it's just the way she writes is so beautiful um and she she was writing about the first love of her life who was the first person to really validate her body and to find joy in her body and uh i think it was like the argument for people who identify as fat fetishist because it's like what's the harm? They're not negating any other part of you and it's no more it's no more insulting than it would be by a person who was into regular beauty norms, right? Who was into like a straight-sized typical bombshell girl. Uh it's it's the same dynamic and so if you're just as long as you don't feel like you're only being used for your body, I mean that's of course a problem across the board for any size for any person, but like as long as you don't feel like you're only being used for your body, I don't see how it would be like a bad thing. Although, uh don't love feeling like a piece of meat. So like being on the market, I can imagine getting the kinds of messages that I've seen people get not great. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sort of neutral about it. I've thankfully never had to experience it, but now I'm getting to the point where it's like, okay, it's not all about your weight, girl. Like, stop putting all this on what you look like. And totally, it's just it's probably just part of the equation. And if it's not a part of the equation, that's probably a problem somewhere down the line because somebody who is not particularly progressive when it comes to how they feel about body types is probably going to become problematic later on down the line. I don't know. Oh, for sure. You know. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm getting that now. I think there, you had to, you have to get to a point where you, where you finally see the light, so to speak, and you have to like work your way there. And I feel like now, I finally have like gotten to a place where I feel like I can move through the world and not do the sad Charlie Brown walk. Oh, you know I love I mean? that. Yes, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> like you're just like that. That this is what I have, and this is who I am. I don't know. I just love the kind of stuff that you're inviting into your life. I think it's really, I think it's really beautiful. And like, uh, I forget who's in, whose original, like, phrase this is, but um, it's summed up like people are funny for a reason. Like, you have to try and find the light when there's been so much fucking darkness in your life. And I feel like there's that tendency because I come from some dark shit. Mm. So like. I gotta keep the lights on somehow. And how do you do it, and especially in acting, when you're just surrounded by rejection? How do you not let that like dark side take over? Um, I have never experienced an acting rejection that hurts as badly as a normal people rejection. Hmm. Right? Because you learn very early on to not take it personally. The people who do their jobs really well, so the producers, the directors, the casting directors, if I'm in a position where I'm this close to getting a role and then it doesn't go that way, there's never any question that they liked what I brought to the table. It's really never about like, well, this girl kind of sucked. It's really like we need a slightly different nuance that somebody just innately brings to the role. So like, 
there's a role that I didn't get um, that is much, much darker. And it was, it was a role that was initially going my way um, and that I felt very confident about. And when it didn't, I was devastated, but also seeing the way that it's panned out with who they cast and seeing the darkness that that character and that actress inhabits, I'm like, oh. And so it's nothing to take personally because just, you know, yeah, it, that becomes so easy to let roll off your back because it's really never about you. If someone was like, no, we really don't like you, you're a psycho, I, I, that would be different. But, you know, thankfully that's not what's going on. I mean, I'm sure behind closed doors, maybe, but... <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, my God. So let's talk about, so... Uh, talk about being highly sensitive mm. and where that manifests itself for you. I take almost everything personally. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Except not getting a role. Like, that's the one thing where I can be like, oh, yes, business uh, Like, I'm a businesswoman. This makes sense. I take everything so personally. My feelings are hurt by everything. I, I, I go back and forth between thinking that's a good thing. I, I'm, it feels like such gray area and that's really hard for me to emotionally navigate so I've kind of been playing with that the last couple of years and being like when is it okay to have a little bit less sensitivity and when is it okay for me to rip that scab right off and you know and be super super present and super super sensitive to other people and allow myself to be that raw and vulnerable and at the whim of other people's energy. It took my dad dying and me being so crazily disappointed by people. Like, I got ghosted up the wazoo when that happened. Believe, Like, it's shocking, but... Like, from family, you're saying? Uh, from close family friends, from my friends. I got ghosted, like crazy and um and you'd think it'd be surprising but I think it's just something that people are wildly uncomfortable with and maybe they don't know what to do and they may not mean for it to be this way but ultimately like it's a really shitty thing so after that happened I was like I could I could no longer bear constantly grieving my dad and all of these people who had totally fucked me over. Yeah, and that's when you learn that people aren't worth it. Yeah. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's healthier yeah. to just get rid of people that don't, that didn't try. Yep. It's like I've said before like, to friends, like, friendship and any relationship is a two-way street. And if I have to keep being one-sided all the time, if I'm the one giving all of this, and if I'm the one being stressed and anxious about what are you doing? Like, I haven't heard from you. Mm -hmm. And, like, if I'm just doing all the reach and all the reach and all the reach, like, if I'm not getting anything back, it's not worth it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you gotta learn the hard way, I think, in, in those sense. Because I, if someone told me that at even 15, 16 in high school, like, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Have all the friends. Who cares? Right. Do all the reaching. Whatever. But now I'm like, you know, now that I'm 30, I'm like, um... Yeah, I don't have time or patience to deal with yeah, this shit. Nope. <laughs> I think it's just, yeah, the more that you grow into yourself and you grow into a confidence and you grow into, like, I, you know, the quality over quantity mentality, which is the reverse, I think, when you're in high school or college totally. or any of that stuff. And just, like, now I'm just, like, and I was, used to be so offended when 
friends from high school or college would just drift or ghost or what have you. And now I'm just like, yeah, why did I give a shit? Like, these are <laughs> shitty, shitty people. <laughs> or they just, you don't click and you're just forcing something right. that just doesn't need to be there. Like, if you're not, especially if someone's not there for you in, in your hardest moment, your hardest time in your life, it's like, that's not, that just, it would just bring me so much stress to, like, have to deal with something like that. And then, oh, it was it was and awful. lonely being lonely. I mean, you're gonna be alone in your sadness. No one's gonna feel that for you, but you. But the people around you, you wanted to support. You want a support system, and you want to know who those people are. And those times are the ways to find it. Mm-hmm. I guess how has that experience sort of manifested into your art now? Like, how have you used that? I'm writing now. I started writing. I started writing like nine months after my dad passed, and then a much better dude friend of mine who is, uh, who's awesome, uh, he's a filmmaker, he and I were meeting for coffee, and he was like, so you write, right? And I was like, mm, no, I'm not a good writer. And he was like, that's bullshit. There's no way you're not a good writer. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm like too messy. Man. And he was like, you need to write a film with me. Will you write a film with me so that, like, if you need it, I can hold your hand, but you can also discover that you're a writer? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So I began writing, and that's been a tremendously good outlet for me um, for the kinds of things that I want to say and the kinds of stories I want to tell. It's all very exciting. So while we're talking about exciting projects, what can you tell me about Diet Land, which is your new AMC show. It is. Very exciting. Talk to me about your role and what the show's about, which you can tell me. Cool, cool, cool. Yes. Um, Diet Land is a perfect example of a show that I learned was coming out very early on in, and I completely fell in love with it. Loved the book, loved the author, um, and I think it says a lot of really, really, really important things all at the same time. So I feel like anytime a current show or movie, you know, kind of addresses one element, there's always something else that pops up. Like, if it's addressing feminism, it's not addressing race or gender issues or uh, toxic masculinity or sizeism or, you know, it's all very pick and choose, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But there's so much we have to talk about. And Dietland, Dietland is so all-seeing in that manner. Like, it really just grabs everything out by the root. And the root is, is that the toxic male, white male patriarchy has completely poisoned half of the population as women. <laughs> and then on top of it, people of color, LGBTQ, like j- just down the entire list of however other somebody may identify. And um, it, it starts, the whole crux of Dietland starts through um, the intervention of this young woman who's planning weight loss surgery and and sort of dematrixes her and takes her out of all of the nefarious you know uh, doings of the diet industry and then the beauty industry and how that all just keeps women so busy on the minutia that they can't then take a larger, more prominent role in their lives and the world. Um, and it and it 
and as it zoom and as that focal point um, of the show continues throughout the season, you just zoom out and you see all of these characters suffering for their own reasons of otherness, seeing seeing white straight male characters suffering their own toxic masculinity and how they come. I mean, it's just. It's really beautiful, and so it feels like it's having all the conversations that need to be had and dealt with right now. It's really powerful. And um, that said, it's been a really good place to live, <laughs> given the kinds of things that we're going through right now in the world, and like being able to go to work and see a bunch of badass boss bitches in charge, because like all of, almost all of our executive producers are women. Um, uh, most of our directors are women. We've got a hugely female crew. The cast is almost exclusively women. Um, and it, it's just an amazing place to be. It's very empowering. Uh, it's, it feels like, it feels like we're lighting the way and that's so awesome. So, um, I love it a lot. I think it's going to be really, really important and it's right on time. Yeah, we need something like that, especially cool. now. Well, on that note, oh my God. thank you for doing this, honestly. Totally. Are it's you been fun. Anything for you. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Truly. But keep going. No. <laughs> uh, where can people find you on the social? Uh, angry on Twitter, at Jen Ponton. Um, whimsical on Instagram, at Jen Ponton. Oh, I was like... Angry on Twitter, is that your Twitter handle? <laughs> but now I get it. Look at that creativity. <laughs> oh my god. Check out her socials. Jen Ponton is queen. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, You're Sarah Carlin. I love you. You're the best. <laughs> All right. That was my conversation with Jen Ponton. Go watch Dietland. I can't stress this enough. It's so good. So I'll link to all of Jen's social media in the description box. Jen, you're a gem. I can't wait to have you back on the show to actually discuss Dietland in less vague terms. And maybe you can bring some other cast members with you. That'd be fun. Just saying. Anyway, uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at AnxiousAFShow or on our website, AnxiousAFShow.com. You can email us at AnxiousAFShow at gmail.com with feedback, guest suggestions, or stories of your own. Thanks, as always, to Garrett Rose for the music. You can find more of his work at garrettrose.com. The link is also in the description box for this episode. Big thanks to Brian Castillo for editing and mixing. And thank you all for listening. See you next week.